Hi everyone, this is Dr. Michael Wald and welcome to Ask the Blood Detective. Today's conversation is all about hypothyroidism. Now, I've done thyroid shows in the past, but the reason why I decided to do another uh, discussion on hypothyroidism is because, well, two reasons. Over the last 30 years or so of my clinical holistic practice, hypothyroidism and its different variations has probably been the number one hormonal or endocrine condition I've ever seen. But the main reason I'm talking about hypothyroidism today is really because of my experience on Facebook uh, yesterday. So on one of my group chats, I think it was a cancer group that I'm a part of, someone actually asked a question on hypothyroidism. And they asked something like this. They said, um, how do I cure my hypothyroidism? So by the time I saw the comment, there was something like, I don't know, 50 or 60 other comments uh, made in response. And some of those comments were something like this. So one person said, uh, you know, iodine will cure your thyroid, it cured mine. And another person would say that um, tyrosine uh, cured my hypothyroidism. And another person would say, well, I had mercury toxicity and if you chelate it, you will cure your hypothyroidism. Now, what bothered me, as you can see, I'm a little bothered <laughs> by these uh, comments, is that they are incomplete, they, have, they are out of context, and they're probably lies. Now, sometimes the people saying these things do not realize that they're lying because they were, they're wishful thinking or they are just, uh, they're confused. Meaning, I had chatted with with someone and I said, how do you know that your hypothyroidism was cured after you did some um, chelation fasting? And she said, because I felt better. I said, well, do you have any tests of your thyroid uh, before and after uh, to show that you cured your thyroid? She said, no. I said, okay. And then others that I've spoken to uh, will say things like, well, you know, I used... Um, acupuncture and I cured my low thyroid. Look, I'm a big fan of acupuncture, but um, it's not going to cure a real case of hypothyroidism, even if it's caused by stress and somehow the acupuncture, you know, stimulates uh, anti-stress, uh, you know, meridians. It's not going to happen. And, and for those of you out there that think that I'm wrong, I would really appreciate you sending me pre and post tests uh, with your claim. Now listen, because I see individuals that are ill, that have chronic health problems, that are spending time, money, who are feeling badly uh, because of their health problems, I owe it to them to look into all reasonable claims. So I'm always challenging people who say to me with these flippant statements, oh no, I got rid of this, I got rid of that. I'm like, show me. And guess what? To this day, no one has ever showed me any proof that simple treatments, meaning uh, just an acupuncture treatment or taking iodine, um, cured their thyroid. Now, as far as taking iodine, if an individual, if their hypothyroidism was in fact caused by iodine deficiency, then yes, that can cure a person. But no one's ever showed me that. Uh, that used to be quite prevalent in the, uh, in the, in the medical fields of endocrinology uh, in the 50s, 
along the Bible belt where there was an iodine deficiency and all these people got hypothyroid goiters. But iodine deficiency really doesn't happen much these days. You can be insufficient, meaning you've got enough iodine in your body for general tasks, but more might help, let's say, uh, convert your bad estrogen into a more friendlier estrogen and lower your breast cancer risk or even help treat your breast cancer, but it's not curing the thyroid. All right, now, I had a, a patient, a 10-year-old boy, and his dad was very, very distraught. He, he called me one day and he said, Dr. Wald, I just brought my son to the, uh, the pediatrician and the pediatrician did some thyroid tests based on what you said uh, because my son is overweight and all of that. And uh, he had hypothyroidism. And then he referred me to an endocrinologist, which is a hormone doctor, and they rechecked the hypothyroid and they concluded, yes, uh, that my son is hypothyroidism. And they prescribed thyroid hormone and told me that my son would be on this the rest of his life. This man was not having it. So he said to me, can you, can you help cure this? I said, maybe. I said, here's what I want you to do. Your son is 10. Let's start with three simple things to start. Number one, stop using fluoride toothpaste. Have your son stop using fluoride toothpaste. And he said, why? I said, well, fluoride is a very toxic compound, potentially. It's even a procarcinogen. But when it comes to the thyroid, it can block iodine. And we need iodine to make thyroid hormone. So that's number one. Can you do that? He said, yes. I said, okay, number two. You need to play with your son every day. You need to exercise, get him sweating. Can you do that every day for 25 minutes? He says, yes, that would be great. I can do that. I said, okay, the third thing I want you to do is I want you to remove all goitrogen foods from your son's diet. And for those of you who might not know what uh, common goitrogenic foods are, see, the key goitrogen-rich foods are, are vegetables in a family of plants called the cruciferous plants. And some are fruits, some are nuts, some are grains. And they include things like uh, bok choy and broccoli, uh, cauliflower, cabbage, canola, um, Brussels sprouts, um, and uh, African cassava. So those would be some examples. And he says, yes, my son loves broccoli. I said, no more of it. I said, see me in a month. We're going to do some testing. He comes in, we test his thyroid hormones and TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone. And guess what? Cured. We didn't do one simple thing, but we did manage to cure the condition. Now, it's been over 10 years and his hypothyroidism has not come back and he's had multiple retests. So that's, that's a cure. Now, curing hypothyroidism is not always that easy, I admit that, but it can be. It depends on the cause or causes of the hypothyroidism because you have to treat the, the causes, right? Okay, now, let me backtrack for a second. And let's just define what low thyroid is. So underactive thyroid or hypothyroidism is a medical condition where the thyroid gland just doesn't produce enough of its critical thyroid hormones. And those thyroid hormones are called T4 and T3. T4 is a weak thyroid hormone. And T3 is a really strong thyroid hormone, 100 times stronger or so than T4. Now, the T 
in T3 and T4 stands for tyrosine. Tyrosine is a very important amino acid. It's an antioxidant. It's extremely important for the heart. And it's required to make a whole bunch of hormones and neurotransmitters in the brain. So if someone were deficient in tyrosine, which is amino acid, which comes from proteins, maybe they malabsorb proteins, you'd have to fix the malabsorption. You could give them all the tyrosine you want, but if they're malabsorbing it, then it's not going to work. But then if you do, in fact, fix some tyrosine deficiency that might have existed, but the person is iodine deficient, well, that's a problem as well. But let's say you identified that and you fixed both the iodine deficiency or insufficiency and the tyrosine. And what if a person has a deficiency of selenium? So selenium is a mineral. It's an antioxidant. Very, very important in a, in a variety of metabolic reactions in the body. But when the body converts T4 to T3, the active thyroid hormone, there's an enzyme that allows that to happen. It's called tyrosine peroxidase. And tyrosine peroxidase enzyme needs selenium. It needs other nutrients as well. But if you don't have enough selenium and you do have enough iodine and you do have enough tyrosine, but you're deficient in selenium, not going to work. Not going to work. Okay. For those who are just joining us, my name is Dr. Michael. While you're listening to Ask the Blood Detective, we're talking about everything you ever wanted to know, everything you don't want to know, everything you thought you knew and might not, and everything else about the thyroid gland. Because your doctors are not going to teach you this. And from what I see on Facebook and even online, most of the information I see is either incomplete, it's out of context, it's just wrong, and people aren't really going to fix their thyroid glands. What people can do is try all kinds of things and feel psychologically better and even physically better for even several weeks or possibly even a few months. But ultimately, if you don't fix the cause or causes of hypothyroidism and do it correctly, it just comes back and it's worse. And the longer hypothyroidism exists, the harder it is to reverse it. And it is possible to reverse it. Now look, there are two main categories of hypothyroid. One is hypothyroidism that no one has a clue what caused it. It's just there and that's that. And maybe it's genetic, maybe it's toxic, maybe it's infectious, who knows? I can check those things obviously as a blood detective with lab work and we can focus on those. But in medicine, they generally don't find the cause so they call it just regular old hypothyroidism. But you might have something called Hashimoto's thyroid, thyroiditis. Now, you're saying, what, what's a Hashimoto? Uh, <laughs> Hashimoto's is a type of hypothyroidism that is caused by the immune system attacking the thyroid gland and or the thyroid enzymes that make thyroid hormone. So write this down. Those two antibodies are called thyroid peroxidase enzyme and thyroglobulin enzyme. Now, why am I giving you all of this detail? The reason is because your medical physicians um, will only offer you synthetic thyroid hormone. The holistic MDs 
will offer you what they will call natural thyroid hormone, like Armour Thyroid, which has a lot of problems, by the way, and there's nothing natural about it. It's natural if, it's a, if you're a cow because it's from a cow. So my point, though, is there are better ways to fix hypothyroidism first before you jump on to medications, whether they're so-called natural medications or not. If you start thyroid hormone, I don't care what type it is, nature thyroid, some people are thinking out there, it doesn't matter. You will cause what's called a negative feedback against your thyroid gland. All that means is if you eat thyroid hormone, your body will produce less and less and less. And it already wasn't producing enough. That's why you have hypothyroidism to begin with. Now, a lot of you will have a lot of the symptoms of hypothyroidism that I'm about to go over. And you'll say to me, yeah, but you know, my thyroid hormone tested fine. Yes, but you have to lose 40% of your thyroid's function before blood work shows anything. So if someone comes to me and, and that's the case, I make the assumption they have hypothyroidism and I treat it. However, I also do what's called a blood detective interpretation, which means I'll compare your blood, your thyroid hormones to, let's say, a 25-year-old normal healthy ranges. If you're abnormal compared to that, then I try to push your thyroid hormones to that area and people usually feel a lot better. What you may not know, unless you've listened to some of my other shows on laboratory, the blood detective way of interpreting blood is quite special because it doesn't compare you men and you women to every other man or woman your age. Why would we want to do that? Look at the health of the average man or woman your age. So if you have normal thyroid hormones compared to them, what does that actually mean? I certainly do not want the normal blood of a 53-year-old man. I'm pushing weights five days a week and running marathons. That's, it's not going to cut it. So we want to push for a healthier range. If I compare people to a younger version of themselves, the laboratory thyroid tests show that they're all abnormal in almost every case. Okay. So your regular doctors will tell you that Thyroid testing is accurate, but it's not. And they will tell you that treatment with synthetic hormone is the safest, simplest way to treat your thyroid. Well, it is one way. But I don't believe it is the best way for many people. All right. We're going to go, we're going to talk about the symptoms of hypothyroidism, but I first want to give you my phone number for those of you who want to reach me. You can reach me to do in-person consultations or uh, over the phone. My number is 914-552-1442. And please do feel free to email me at info at blooddetective.com. And please do check out my website at intmedny.com. You can search the search bar on the homepage or any other page. And you can go into the blog section and click on the titles of all the radio shows I've done and look at some of the videos as well. All right, let's talk about symptoms of hypothyroidism. Now, just because these symptoms are found in hypothyroidism, more or less, depending on the person, that does not mean that you cannot have these symptoms and have another disease. Okay, so the, the symptoms of, of low thyroid, 
hypothyroidism, they, they vary depending on how much hormone deficiency you have. Do you have one of those antibodies present that I mentioned earlier, or do you have both of them? Um, has your thyroid issue developed over a short period of time, over months, or has it developed over years? All of these things will affect how your body expresses symptoms. Now, you might first barely notice symptoms of low thyroid. You just might start to gain weight a little bit too much, not quite understanding why. You might feel fatigued. Those are the two earliest signs generally. Or you, and you might like, you might say that, you know, your weight gain and fatigue is because you're getting older. You know, if I had a nickel for every time someone said that to me, oh yeah, you know, I'm probably just getting old. I'm like, you are getting old, but that doesn't mean you have to get fat and tired. That's just not acceptable. Even if it is from how you're getting old, we need a new normal for how you're getting old. I say it slightly nicer than that. Um, I try to be nice to my patients. So as your metabolism from hypothyroidism continues to slow down, you'll get even more hypothyroid symptoms. So I mentioned the fatigue. People will become insensitive to cold. It's a big one. They'll become constipated because metabolic rate slows down. The contractions in the intestinal tract slow down and constipation happens. A person will get dry skin. That's a dead giveaway for hypothyroid. Or they might get what are called hypothyroid bumps. These kind of dry bump-like things on the back of your arms. They're also called vitamin A bumps. And one, one does need vitamin A to convert T4 hormone to T3 hormone. See, now you understand what, what I mean by converting T4, T3, right? We're learning all the big words. Weight gain is a big one. Puffy face. A person just gets puffy, like they have fluid accumulating, and they do. Their voices might become more hoarse. They will experience muscle weakness. Now, the muscle weakness might look like poor balance. It might look like poor walking. Uh, it might look like the person saying, you know, my, my muscles are just tired. Or sometimes I have to check the muscle strength on a person, and they didn't realize they had weakness until they were challenged. Now, when the thyroid gland starts to fail, blood cholesterol levels increase. So what do doctors do? They say, hey, now all you need is another medication, so I'm going to put you on a statin drug or something like that. It's absolutely crazy. Muscle aches, stiffness of joints, tenderness of muscles, um, swelling in the joints, stiffness, which I mentioned, and pain. Um, women, you might have much heavier or irregular menstrual periods than you've had earlier in your life. A dead giveaway also is thinning hair, especially in women. I, I mean, the number of women I have seen, they've sat in front of me and they've come to see me for infertility, they've come to see me with cancer, they've come to see me with uh, intestinal problems, neurologic problems, with anxiety, whatever it is, and I notice they have thinning hair. And I gently say, would you like to also work on your hair? And some of the women say, what do you mean? And they don't see it because they see each themselves all day long. And other people in their lives who care about them and see them a lot, they see this and they don't notice it either. Um, but thinning hair is a very, very common uh, symptom of hypothyroidism. 
Another symptom, which most people won't know, is the heart rate can become slower. So you go to the doctor, and the doctor says, hey, you have a, a, a slow heart rate, that's called bradycardia, good for you. Because they've associated slow heart rate with health. And it is associated with health if you are someone who exercises regularly. If you exercise regularly, what exercise does, one of the things it does, if you're lucky, if you exercise right, is that when you're at rest and walking around and you're not exercising, you have a normal, healthy bradycardia. But if you have hypothyroidism, and your body doesn't have enough of the thyroid hormone to stimulate heartbeats, your heart rate slows down. But if your doctor or nurse or whoever takes your, you know, your heart rate isn't aware of, your, of the context of that, you don't just have a slow heart rate, but you have some constipation and you're a little depressed, you have no sex drive, you, know, you have a little libido, maybe your memory is not quite there then uh, they'll miss the diagnosis of hypothyroidism. And you can have 10 of these hypothyroid symptoms and some doctors, unless your blood work is abnormal, they will not entertain the concept of hypothyroidism. Now, I teach lab to doctors across the country and uh, nutritionists. And one of the things I teach is that whenever you interpret lab, you must discuss it, must consider it in the context of the person's symptoms that is sitting before you. Because if you don't do that, you miss things. So when a doctor only reads the blood test and ignores everything else, I would fail them in my course. That is terrible and it's wrong. And I went to medical school too. And they would also frown upon that. But a lot of physicians that I've consulted with over the years, some of them are not very good uh, you know, clinicians. Uh, that, that comes, that's a natural talent. You can learn to be better, but it, you have to know that you suck at it first. Okay. Now, also you might just have an enlarged neck. Your thyroid might literally be enlarged. So that could be because the gland itself is enlarged. That means like every cell in it. Or you might have thyroid lesions, cysts they call them, thyroid cysts and hopefully not tumors. Okay, let's talk about a few other things that you tend to see in younger people, but you can also see these things in older individuals or anyone really with hypothyroidism. So yellowing of the skin and yellowing of the whites of the eyes. Okay, so that is because hypothyroidism might affect the liver's ability to metabolize sub, something called bilirubin. So the thyroid gets weak, the liver gets weak, the bilirubin doesn't get recycled, and the skin gets yellow and the whites of the eyes are yellow. That's called jaundice and that's a dangerous thing. If you drink a lot of carrot juice, your skin will get yellow, but not the whites of your eyes. That's an important difference. A person with hypothyroidism, particularly a child, might have a protruding tongue. The tongue will be enlarged. They might not breathe very well because the, the, the mouth and tissues on the tongue are enlarged. 
it's uh, it's very sad. You know, I've seen kids with constipation and poor muscle tone, and they're they're really sleepy, and um, they they were they had failed to be recognized as having hypothyroidism. And in teenagers, hypothyroidism would look like you know poor growth, like being short. And I have some patients that are shorter than they needed to be. If someone was aware that they're, they were short in terms of their growth and then referred them to a doctor to have their hormones checked. Uh, this has happened so many times in my career, I can't even count anymore. And then delayed puberty would also result from hypothyroidism because the thyroid does not exist in a vacuum from other hormones. So delayed puberty can result. And very importantly, hypothyroidism can result in poor mental development so that a child with a hypothyroid that's not known and is not treated will cause the nervous system, the brain, to develop badly. You know, everyone's looking for all the mysterious causes of autism and you know, all these special needs conditions, and a lot of them have an underpinning of hypothyroidism that is undiagnosed. It should at least be considered. Now let's talk about the causes of hypothyroidism in a minute, but I want to give my information for those of you who are listening. My name is Dr. Michael Wald. You're listening to Ask the Blood Detective. We're talking about the thyroid. Uh, The next show will probably be about the adrenal glands. For those of you who want to let me know what you want to hear, please email me at info at blooddetective.com. And you can call me if you want to see me as a patient or a distance phone consultation at 914-552-1442. So the causes of low thyroid are that ultimately the thyroid gland does not produce enough thyroid hormones. And that can upset a variety of physiologic reactions uh, in the body. And there could be a number of causes that trigger the low production of hormones. One of them I mentioned earlier on in the show, that has to do with autoimmune disease. Now, I mentioned Hashimoto's thyroiditis. That's the autoimmune disease of the thyroid that is hypothyroid. But a person can have any number of other autoimmune problems that then causes the Hashimoto's. In other words, one autoimmune disease can cause any other autoimmune disease. If a person has any autoimmune disease at all, they are at risk of developing another one. Or they may already have multiple autoimmune diseases, but they may not know them yet. It's been said, and and I can tell you that this is true from my my clinical experience, that from the earliest symptoms of hypothyroid end, which is autoimmune, of the the Hashimoto type, and any other autoimmune disease that you can even think of, it's generally about 10 to 15 years delay in diagnosis. The diagnosis is just missed. Doctors are not paying attention to their patients. So... In addition to autoimmune diseases causing hypothyroidism, a person might have hyperthyroidism. And if they receive treatments, uh, what generally happens is if someone has has an overactive thyroid and they're treated with radiation, for example, or ablation therapy, they 
almost always will end up having hypothyroidism and now they're stuck on thyroid medication. Most people that I see with hyperthyroidism, they're trying to avoid the hyperthyroid medications like uh, methimazole is one of them that blocks the thyroid hormone and uh, only to get blasted with radiation or have false hope from ablation therapy and then they end up being super hypo on medications for the rest of their lives. And the medications for thyroid like Synthroid these are not innocuous. They, they do uh, create health problems potentially for people who take them. Um, some common ones might be palpitations, feeling anxious, uh, insomnia, uh, bone loss, increased risk of breast cancer. The list goes on and on. So radiation therapy, thyroid surgery, now, and a lot of different medications for other health problems could cause hypothyroidism. Um, I'll just give you a quick one. Lithium uh, used for, let's say, bipolar, that will often cause hypothyroidism because the lithium competes with the iodine. But there's many medications, many medications that can cause hypothyroidism. Let me give you a couple of them. I suppose some of the more popular drugs that I see that affect the thyroid are um, what are called uh, dopamine agonists uh, used for a variety of mental emotional problems, uh, steroids like glucocorticoids. The glucocorticoids commonly will cause uh, hypothyroidism. Um, medications um, like vitamin A medication, what are called the retinoids, that can do it. Um, those are just a few. But even the textbooks don't show all the possible ways in which or all the possible drugs that can cause hypothyroidism because there are so many, so, so many. Now, I probably should have said at the onset that the thyroid gland itself is located in your neck, okay? It's situated at the base or the front of your neck just below your Adam's apple if you're a man. And if you're a woman, pretend you have an Adam's apple and it would be just under that. All right. And the hormones produced by the thyroid gland, just to review, are T4 and T3. T4 is called thyroxine and T3 is called triiodothyroxine. Tri means three. And these, these hormones have an enormous, enormous impact upon your health and your metabolic rate and a whole bunch of other factors in your body, including body temperature and again, your, your heart health. So some of the autoimmune diseases that can cause hypothyroidism um, could be anything from lupus to multiple sclerosis to Sjogren's syndrome to scleroderma to mixed connective tissue disease, even rheumatoid arthritis. But the most common autoimmune condition of the thyroid is called Hashimoto's. Okay, I've said that a few times. And we know that what happens there is the antibodies that your body makes against your thyroid are what destroys the thyroid gland. So remember what I said, it's anti the body. So for some reason, maybe a virus got in your thyroid, a toxin, what have you, and then your immune system recognized that it was stuck in your thyroid, went to go get it, but you know your thyroid got in the way and that's how it's degenerated. So 
The thing about the antibodies is that as long as they're around, your thyroid will never function optimally. Because let's say you, well, let me say it this way. Let's say you have Hashimoto's, low thyroid, and you are taking um, medication, uh, Synthroid for your thyroid. So you have thyroid hormone in your blood. But if you have antibodies floating around, they literally bind to the thyroid hormone or they block it from getting into the tissues. So there you are with hypothyroid symptoms, even though you're on Synthroid or medication or armor thyroid. So you go to your doctor, you say, doc, I feel, you know, I'm tired, I'm losing my hair, I'm a bit constipated, I have no libido, etc. And the doctor looks at the blood and says, well, your thyroid hormones are fine, I can't help you. Go talk to your psychiatrist. I'm not kidding. And there are some of you out there that know this is exactly what happened. Now, and now you know what your doctor didn't tell you or what your doctor did not know. That it were the antibodies blocking it. So even though all the thyroid hormone was there, it, your tissues could not respond. So then you develop all kinds of symptoms depending on what organ or organs uh, that your body uh, is, is, is affected by hypothyroidism. And then I mentioned that if you have hyperthyroidism and you get radiation to your, your hyperthyroid, you can become hypo. Obviously, if for some reason your thyroid needed to be removed completely, um, you know, there's no way you can, nutrition is going to cure that. You have to have thyroid hormone for the rest of your life. And again, lots of medications contribute to hypothyroidism. And let's talk about like who's most at risk to hypothyroidism. The people that are at most risk are women. Women get much more hypothyroid than men. And women older than 60 in particular. Now, if you have a family history, other people with hypothyroidism, then you are again are at higher risk. If you have any autoimmune disease whatsoever uh, in your family history, you're at greater risk, particularly if you have diabetes type one and celiac disease. Now, Doctors know that celiac disease or gluten intolerance disease can cause hypothyroidism, but somehow they can't stretch their tiny little brains to realize that gluten without having celiac disease in, in a person whose body doesn't like gluten will also cause hypothyroidism. Not only that, gluten can cause a lot of diseases. Most of you are familiar. Now, if you go to my website on the homepage and go to the search bar and search gluten, you will basically have my entire book of information called Glutenaholic. That's right, Glutenaholic. I, lo I love these titles that I come up with. Glutenaholic, Frankenfoods. I like inventing new words. It's just fun. So we know that gluten can mess with your pancreas. So can dairy. If you have any food that your body doesn't like, so you eat gluten, eat dairy, and uh, your body makes antibodies against those foods, uh, and then your body says, hey, well, you know something? The, the, the structure of gluten here, the structure 
of the shape, let's say, of gluten and, and dairy, they look a lot like this person's pancreas. So I'm going to also mess with their pancreas. So the person eats gluten and dairy and they get diabetes because their pancreas is affected. That's called cross-reactivity. They know about this. It's also called, get ready for the big word, molecular mimicry. So if a person gets, for example, a measles vaccine, the structure of the amino acids that comprise the, uh, the measles vaccine looks a lot like the white matter of the brain. So if the body says, hey, I don't like that measles stuff, I'm gonna attack it with antibodies, but you know, those guys up in the brain there, those, those structures look a lot like measles, so I'm gonna also cross-react with the brain tissue causing everything from plaquing with an M multiple sclerosis diagnosis to just plaquing or brain atrophy uh, gluten can cause all of that stuff. You can reduce your risks of gluten creating a problem for you by, of course, eliminating it. But also, if you take a strong probiotic, I have something called superbugs. The units of the probiotic should be in CFUs, colony forming units. That is the universal, universally accepted best process and um, way of numbering the bacteria. And also, because the, the probiotic breaks down part of the gluten and proteins of the milk, which are the antigenic autoimmune stimulating portions. And if you consume enzymes and stomach acids, I have something called enzyme absorb, which has stomach acid and a stomach acid supporting nutrient called betaine. That helps break down proteins. But then also I combined it with lipases, amylases, amylases and proteases, which are protein, starch, and fat digesting enzymes. That helps break down the foods before they're absorbed badly so they're tinier. And if they're tinier, they don't confuse and react the immune system as much or at all. If you have celiac disease though, there is no amount of enzymes or probiotics that will cure you. The only cure for that is there is no cure. You just have to not ever eat gluten. For, for the most people though, in my experience, you have non-celiac gluten intolerance, which is intolerance to gluten, but it's not celiac. So you basically have a stomach acid and intestinal problem. That's why probiotics and stomach acids and enzymes can help you. And you can, you can learn to tolerate it if you want to. And then there is pregnancy. Uh, pregnancy is a risk factor, uh, particularly a woman who has been pregnant and, or delivered a baby within six months. That, that time frame gives uh, quite a lot of risk uh, for many women. That's when they'll have new development of hypothyroidism. It might even be one of the factors that contributes to bone loss in, um, uh, after pregnancy, which is accelerated. Now, there are many complications to hypothyroidism. There's a number of, of them that you need to know because it's a good amount of you that will experience hypothyroidism. Number one is you might get an enlargement of the thyroid in your neck called a goiter. I had one woman come in and her neck was tremendous. Her neck was popping out 
it reached her nose. I'm not joking. And I uh, could do nothing to convince her to begin uh, natural treatments. She was an example of someone who just had a mental illness uh, regarding her relationship to her body um, because she wouldn't start anything, a natural or medical. Uh, and she had no good reason. Other than what I suspected was a very severe anxiety disorder, among other things. So this goiter um, can start out, it could start out releasing lots of thyroid hormone at first, and then it can fatigue. But being so large, it can cause a chronic cough, which can be misdiagnosed as allergies and even reflux disease. Did you hear that? A lot of people being treated with antacids when they actually have hypothyroidism. People being treated for allergies, inhaling steroids, when they actually have hypothyroidism. And those conditions, allergies, for example, and GERD, they tend to be much more commonly associated with hypothyroidism. So the thing is, for you blood detectives out there, we want to put it all together. So if someone has a chronic cough and they have dry skin and they... Uh, let's say they're tired and they're putting on a few pounds, you, you know, your index of suspicion, as they say in medicine, for hypothyroidism should be very, very high. Also, a person, you might be diagnosed with a high cholesterol, a high uh, total cholesterol, high LDL, low HDL, but that could be all caused by hypothyroidism. I suspect, and it has been actually proven as well, there are a number of mental illnesses that are um, caused, literally caused, by hypothyroidism. Uh, and one of them is just depression. Depression, there's hypothyroid depression. And with all due respect to psychi psychiatrists, um, they're not very good at diagnosing this. They almost never even run labs on their patients. They just prescribe, prescribe, and prescribe. What a waste of intelligence, if you ask me. And hypothyroidism can also simply call, cause slow mental functioning. So a person is just, you know, they, they could be diagnosed with early dementia when really they just have hypothyroidism. Yeah, it happens. A another health problem that I've seen quite a lot of over the years, which is masquerading um, as not being hypothyroidism, but is, is peripheral neuropathy. That means that someone will have nerve symptoms like numbness and tingling of their hands or their toes um, or pain even uh, in their hands or toes. And they're diagnosed with arthritis in their neck or their back. And you know, the problem here is that most people have arthritis in their neck and their back even you. So you complain about some numbness or tingling or feeling cold in your hands or cold in your feet. And then your doctor says, hmm, maybe you have nerve compression. I'll send you for some x-rays. Oh yes, you have disc, uh, loss of disc height. Uh, your cervical curve is reversed. You've got arthritis in your back. All these things that are there anyway. And the real cause is actually your thyroid. Remember, 
By the time your blood tests show any abnormalities, you've generally lost 30, I'm sorry, 40% of the function of your thyroid. And then there can be a very severe symptom of, uh, and deadly symptom of um, hypothyroidism called myxedema. So this is a, um, a life-threatening condition and it's the result of long-term undiagnosed hypothyroidism. There's a lot of people that I see in their 50s and 60s, even their 70s, and they've got this swelling on their face. This is myxedema and it is from long-term hypothyroidism and they have very intense cold intolerance. They are drowsy, they're tired all the time, and some of them, uh, you know, literally are falling asleep, you know, behind the, the wheel. So this is very, very, um, very dangerous. And then there's infertility. Um, my goodness, I, you know, I have people who see me over the years with infertility. And when I ask them, oh, so have you been evaluated with, uh, for your thyroid function? And they say, I, I think they might have done that. And then I look at their testing and... You know, they either have a slightly low thyroid, which is slightly low in infertility, is too low, okay? There's no slightly low anyway. You know, when people say to me, no, no, my doctor told me it's just mildly abnormal. I'm like, that's like a mild heart attack or being mildly pregnant. It, it, it's not okay. It makes no sense simply because the medical physicians say these mild, silly terms because you haven't become abnormal enough for them to write your script. They'll wait though until you, you meet the criteria of being really screwed up so they can write it. But fertility is very commonly associated with low levels of thyroid hormone. And if you don't produce enough thyroid hormone, ladies, you're gonna have problems with ovulation. And if you have problems with ovulation, that will impair uh, your fertility. And often it is an autoimmune type of infertility. And even when I see the doctors getting it right and they're ordering the TSH and the thyroid hormones, they fail to order the antibodies, the thyroid peroxidase and thyroglobulin. You might say, well, why would they do that? Well, first of all, it's usually your PCP, your primary healthcare doctor, your primary provider, or a family practitioner that orders a basic thyroid panel. It's usually something like TSH and T3. I've even seen doctors order like T4 and T3 and not TSH. If you do not have a TSH ordered, your doctor is absolutely incompetent, incompetent. And then if you have some hypothyroid symptoms and your testing does show something, then your primary refers you to the endocrinologist because they like to spread the liability around. Plus, they really don't know much about hypothyroidism. So I suppose it's not a terrible thing to do. And then the endocrinologist checks your labs, does the same test, plus maybe a few extra thyroid hormones and says, yeah, yeah, uh, you, you have hypothyroidism. So we'll, you know, we'll treat that. And many of them forget the antibodies. And these antibodies, particularly the thyroid peroxidase, are very much amenable to nutrition. Diet and nutritional supplements. We'll get to those in a moment. So what's the diagnosis about with hypothyroidism? I've mentioned it already, part of it. It's the TSH and the thyroid hormones. The TSH basically will be, will, um, be high 
or high normal, and one or more of the thyroid hormones, T3 or T4, uh, will be low. And there's free T4 and free T3. All I can tell you now, because we don't have a lot of time to go through this, is free T3 is the best thyroid hormone to check, but TSH is the most important of the, on the thyroid panel, but it is not a thyroid hormone. It is an anterior pituitary hormone. That's TSH. And the treatments in standard medicine are synthetic uh, thyroid hormone. Um, Synthroid, uh, Levo-T they call it. And if if you take these, it will restore your blood levels of thyroid hormone and you may feel better. And most people in my experience do not because your body says, you know, this stuff is not natural. It's not my stuff. And then your body becomes resistant to it. But as long as the levels are fine, your doctors are like, well, I don't know why you're feeling that way because your blood tests look fine. So go to a psychiatrist. Again, (laughs) that story. Now, in terms of proper nutrition and proper thyroid hormone dosage, you have to have your response to improve thyroid function. Again, whether it's natural, nutritional, or, or medication would be um, your insomnia would improve, your heart palpitations would improve. If you had shakiness, it would reduce. If you had um, you know, a poor appetite, it would help regulate itself. All of the other symptoms that I spoke of earlier should reverse almost all of them. You need to be careful though, because there are certain nutritional supplements that can affect your ability to absorb your medication for thyroid. So if you're going to take medication, you, you, know, you have to watch your iron supplements and multivitamins. And you can't take antacids because, at least not the ones with aluminum hydroxide in them. And calcium supplements will interfere with, interfere with thyroid hormone, which is unfortunate because thyroid hormone accelerates bone loss. And then be aware that there is this condition called sub clinical hypothyroid, subclinical. So what that means is, is that your TSH is just a little high. They call it subclinical. You could be clinical, meaning you could show clinical symptoms, but this word, they just use it and it's just wrong. Um, so your doctor will look at your labs and say, no, 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 your, your TSH is just a little high. You have subclinical. And you're like, well, I don't feel well. Like, well, it's not bad enough to do anything. I'm like, okay. So people come to me and they're like, how is this possible? And I say, well, it's all perspective and, and um, maybe a little stupidity thrown in there, a lack of common sense, which um, is not so common. So let's talk about, let's talk about nutrition for a moment. The best diet for hypothyroidism, okay? There is no best diet, and here's why. If your hypothyroidism is a result of malnutrition and problems with protein absorption, then you need a higher protein diet and lots of enzymes. And I'm just giving you the basics, right? Make sense? If your hypothyroidism is due to, let's say, a neurologic disorder, then you might need a ketogenic diet that's been modified to have the proper nutritional supplements that your chemistry shows you need beyond your hypothyroidism. So what I mean is this. Imagine this, everyone. All of you are in a line. And what I mean is this. If all of you were lined up in a row and you all had a diagnosis of hypothyroidism, and I say you all, meaning everyone listening to this show, 
even if your blood tests showed the same low thyroid hormones and, and high TSH, there's genetic factors that are different among all of you. There's dietary considerations which will be different among all of you. There are exercise considerations, sleep considerations. In other words, lifestyle differences. There are genetic differences. There are nutritional deficiency differences. There are other lab abnormality differences that have to be included from a nutritional perspective. And this is what I like to say about how I approach a person's health problems to get to, to make it personalized. And, and I need you to hear it. It's a person needs what they need for their needs. You need what you need for your needs. If your nutrition isn't found conveniently in a bottle that says hypothyroid rescue, yay, and you don't need those things, it's not going to help you. If, if you're not iodine deficient, not going to help you. If you're not tyrosine deficient, not going to help you. If um, you eat goitrogen foods, but it doesn't affect you, then even though it's supposed to based on a book, not going to help you to remove them. How do you know all this stuff? You figure it out. We can figure it out. So I thought I would let you know in the, in the few minutes we have left about some other nutrition that is pretty essential for thyroid function. In many people that I see, uh, even most, but it may or may not apply to you. And I have to, of course, give you the disclaimer. I'm not asking you to take these nutrients. You just think about them. This is educational only stuff we're talking about here. Vitamin B12 is commonly deficient uh, in hypothyroid. And the type of B12 that is best for low thyroid is not methylated. It's cyanocobalamin. Also, if you have an iodine insufficiency, then taking iodine in the form of either potassium iodine or kelp in a tiny amount, maybe 150 micrograms, could be just the trick. Now keep in mind, I like to do testing to see what specific nutrients a person needs if, it, if it's appropriate to do that. At other times, the symptoms that a person presents is enough to tell me, plus questionnaires help me figure it out, and, con and a conversation with you helps you figure it out. But when it comes to B12, for example, the best test for B12 is which test? It's a microscopic test of the size of a, of a red blood cell. If the red blood cell is too large, your B12, folic acid, vitamin C, E, and B1 deficient. It does not matter if your blood levels are normal or even high in those vitamins, including B12. If your blood levels are high in the vitamins, that you have to realize that's your, your serum or your plasma. That's the stuff floating around your cells. If it's high or even normal in the plasma or serum, that could mean it's not in the cells like your thyroid cell. Just the opposite of what you would think. I hope that's clear. Magnesium is required for T4 to turn into T3. So if you're deficient in magnesium, then that would be a problem. Zinc. Zinc is needed also to work with the enzyme thyroid peroxidase, which is also a selenium-dependent enzyme. Now, the type of selenium that I like to use for hypothyroid is not, it is not selenium um, nicotinate. It is selenium chelate. I'm sorry. The selenium that I do not want you to use is selenomethionine. 
selenomethionine is good, but it's not the best for hypothyroidism most of the time. Hypothyroidism is best with selenium chelate because if there are heavy metals that are involved and they just don't show up on the testing because testing is not perfect, at least the selenium chelate can remove some of those, met, uh, those metals over time. In addition, manganese. Manganese is another mineral that is really forgotten and you've gotta have at least two milligrams a day for proper thyroid function. And molybdenum, that, say that one three times fast, molybdenum is another important mineral required for thyroid hormone production. And the form should be a chelate as well. Now I've mentioned tyrosine a few times. Tyrosine at 300 milligrams is a baseline. I like to check a body composition on a person like you, know what your metabolic rate is, and know what percentage of you is muscle, water, and fat. If I know the percentage of your lean mass, I can calculate the amount of protein you need, and I can estimate the amount of tyrosine you need, because these are the kind of things, folks, that this kind of detail is just what it takes to fix a real thyroid problem, not just slamming a bunch of vitamins you know, down your throat. And then there's ashwagandha. Ashwagandha is an herb that is um, quite remarkable. I mean, I had one patient who I did cure their uh, hypothyroidism with just that one herb, but it was at very high concentrations in the 800 milligram range, which I'm not advising you to take. And that's simply because that person said to me, I'm only gonna take one thing, so it better be good. And I, and I got a little lucky. And then there's bladderwrack and cayenne pepper. And, and kelp, these are all some of the essential things about thyroid that you'll hear. But once again, depending on your health problem and the cause or causes of your hypothyroidism, you may need nutrition that has, that has nothing to do with what I just mentioned. Because remember, you need what you need for your needs. Well, I hope you got something out of this hypothyroid topic. I know that the information is needed and I'm very grateful for you as listeners because this station is just loaded with super intelligent individuals. When I go out to the masses on Facebook or on Google, the, the level of education is just, is just very, very poor. So I, I, I really appreciate everyone listening to this show. My name is Dr. Michael Wald. You've been listening to Ask the Blood Detective. Please ask and tell other people about the show. Let me know your topics by emailing me at info at blooddetective.com. That's info at blooddetective.com. My phone number, if you want to work with me in person or at a distance, is 914-552-1442. And one last thing, go to the website, check out the content. There's so much free, great content at intmedny.com. Thanks, everyone, and I'll talk to you soon.